0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Rabia and Ellen Solve the Case ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Rabia, before we get to the episode,
1: tell them all the fun things we have going on. There's a lot happening. We're, we're keeping busy. We really are. Yeah, we have a pretty brand new patreon our new little baby our new little baby
0: patreon
1: the one thing that always kind of upset me after all of our recordings was we had so many more things to talk about i know every time we finish i just look at the time and i'm like we have five more minutes to talk through these 18 more pages of notes
0: So basically, our Patreon is just that. It's chock full of all the things we didn't get to in the episode. So there's tiers all the way from $5 a month to $15 a month. You will get bonus episodes two times a month, which is basically the things we didn't get to in the episode. Plus, a really great thing is since we're doing part one and part two, you can receive both episodes both parts on Thursdays, so you never have to wait
1: for part two. And then we've got an ad-free tier. We've got a tier where you can get both episodes for that particular case a day early, 24 hours early on Wednesdays instead. I mean, like, look at what we're doing for you guys.
0: We have monthly virtual hangout. We also have a monthly speakpipe episode. There are tons of bonuses, and we want to hear from you because we're making this content for you. We're so happy that you all wanted to hear more. So head on over to Patreon.com and and search Rabia and Ellen, and there will be tons of bonus things that you can take advantage of right now.
1: Yep, we are all here for the same party. Join us. And what else is happening in May? It's coming up, Rabia. I got my sequins ready. They are ready. I know I keep talking about them, but I'm very excited, Ellen. Just bear with me. We hope
0: you are going to be able to join us for our live show on May 4th in Atlanta at 8 p.m. at The Punchline. We're going to have our friend Payne Lindsay back. and
1: So excited.
0: We're so excited. We're going to be having lots of fun. We're going to be solving cases, giving you all hugs. There is a Q&A for VIP guests
1: and we have another special guest coming too right we have another podcaster friend who's gonna pop in for the show and i'm gonna pull her up on stage because her opinion matters
0: it really really does so head on over to any of our socials and click the link to come and see us live we cannot wait to see your faces it's our first public live show guys come on out it's gonna be a blast okay on with the show Hey, Ellen. Hey, Rabia. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am good. We're here with our new friend, Andy, whose entire personality seems to revolve around Italy, wouldn't
1: you say? Yeah. I mean, he's got some deep connection. Maybe it's a reincarnation thing or something, but you know what? So much fun. I loved talking to him and I don't even know if it made it to the episode, but there was a little special guest that popped into the booth as he was recording. I know, Conan O'Brien. He's real tall redhead. Yes, we screamed.
0: He's a new fan. Now, if you are here and you have not listened to part one, please pause this episode, go back and listen to our part one of our coverage of the murder of Meredith Kircher and the wrongful conviction of Amanda Knox, and then come on back for part 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 two. We also play a little game here called three quick things. And we each ask you a random silly question. And then we ask all our guests the same question. You want to go first, Robbie?
1: Yeah. Sometimes not so silly, but just very random.
0: Random is a better word. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So my question for you, Andy, is what is the best vacation you have ever taken in your life and why?
2: It would either be like, and I mean, I just, because when I lived in New York and I had a, a, you know, I had a good job that was well-paying. We went to Italy a few times and probably like the first time I went to Italy, you know what? I'm going to change it because actually the bet and it's still Italy, but my ex-wife and I once, we went to Venice in February I don't even remember what the motivation was but nobody right. goes to Venice in February because it's kind of like Conan O'Brien's right outside the door
1: Here. OMG no wait no I-, I just saw his shoulder
2: there he oh is God, no way it's Conan O'Brien <laughs> uh, that just, guy. He, he actually. It, he
1: just follows you everywhere. I told you, Andy. I'm if you guys, telling you, this has got problem. If he hadn't
2: been here, he would have probably hit me. That was probably why he was <laughs> coming into this little booth was to hit. me. We'll protect you, Andy. Yes. <laughs> um, You're a national
0: treasure. You deserve
2: protection. But uh, we went to we went to Venice in February, and it was cold which was okay. Like, I, uh, you know, I'm from the Midwest, so cold is, is okay. But it was like, I've never experienced wet cold. And it was probably the coldest I've ever been, but it was like, you know, kind of cozy. And there was nobody there. It was like a vacation in a haunted city. And it was really, really cool. I mean, the beach is nice, but I I, I recommend Venice in February.
1: I've been to Venice in August. Yeah. And it was exactly what you'd expect. It was humid and crowded and insane. Yep. Yeah. And
2: stinky, I'm sure.
1: I
0: don't understand the pigeon thing. Were there pigeons there, Andy? In, uh...
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: People do that thing in Venice where they stand there and they let the pigeon— that is, that is a horror movie to me. When people <laughs> do that, they stand there— <laughs> And I'm like, you're letting rats crawl all over you. They have <laughs> wings. They're in a better outfit. Because you're a than- New Yorker, man. Like, oh. you know,
1: that's, yeah, they're all over. It. That's, you're just sick of them. That's what it is.
2: Yeah.
0: So you're not going to believe this, Rabia. mm my question that I had written down for Andy for today it was, was not about a vacation. I'm not kidding. I will share my screen. My question was, <laughs> "What is the worst vacation you have ever <laughs> taken?" I swear, we didn't plan this. We
1: didn't plan. We did not plan, we it. We did never not plan, plan this. it.
0: But that was my question. But worst in terms of it doesn't even have to be the place, but everything going wrong, your luggage getting lost, anything. What is the worst? I can't believe we we've never done this ever before. But that yeah. was my question.
2: Well, <laughs> it's it's funny because it's. Sounds- it sounds like I've only been to Italy, uh, but the, <laughs> the the worst one. Oh, it explains the case. Yeah. Because you picked the case. The worst one was after the birth of our first child, which he was born in 2000, the year 2000. And we decided we're going to have the kind of family where we travel. We're going to teach mm-hmm. our kids to travel. So we we made the plans to go to Rome. And my son, when we made the plans was maybe, I mean, I don't know exactly how old he was, but he was still very portable. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. click him into that little carrier, then, then it clicks into the the car seat, and then you take him to a restaurant. and He can't run away from you yet. Exactly. Yeah. You put him, you know, you could take him to a restaurant, put him on the banquette, and then like have dinner, and he'd go to sleep. By the time the trip rolled around, he was mobile, and he was... Uh. He picked up every piece of broken glass, every cigarette butt, (laughs) every dog turd. It it was constant. All the needles, all the needles
1: and condoms. Yeah, we could
2: not. We we never. My ex-wife and I never enjoyed a meal at the same time. It was. I'll chase him while you wolf down your food, and then Mm -hmm. you'll chase him while I wolf down my food. I have very few regrets. And that is a solid regret. <laughs> like we should not have taken a baby, a toddler uh, to Rome. And then um, five years later, we had my daughter, who was such a handful that we didn't go anywhere for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> we, were t- oh, wow. we knew yeah. to be like, no, 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 we're not going to inflict <laughs> yeah. her on an airline. Uh, we're going to, uh, our yeah. trips will be driving trips.
0: I heard that. I heard that the Richters were landlocked. I heard that about you. They were like, oh, those Richters, they, yeah. they
1: do not travel well. A month ago, I traveled for the first time all the way back to my homeland, Pakistan with my son. Cause I waited till he was like six to do it. Mm-hmm. And on the way back, I came back alone with him. We, I went there with my husband. My husband was going to come later. He had an earache for 14 hours, oh. an earache for 14 hours. And I was like, this is why I didn't do this. I'm never doing this again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to wait till he's 10 as well. I'm
2: going to wait. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And I, I mean, and you feel so bad. It's when terrible. When you have a crying baby on a plane, you first it's like you feel terrible for the baby. But then after a while, it's like, will you shut up? Mm-hmm. I know you're in pain, <laughs> but will you please shut up? You are embarrassing me. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: and that is true. Also, we need to make the distinction that when you travel with children, that's called a trip.
1: Yes, when it's you not travel a without yes.
0: children, that is a vacation. That's true. That needs to be a very clear delineation. That's true. That's
1: true. <laughs> so, we've got our third question, which is the same question actually we ask all our guests. And that is this. And this is the, like, so we can figure out why you're on our show, why you said yes. Andy, what is your connection to true crime? How does it figure in your life? Why is it important to you? Is it? Yeah. I mean, I definitely.
2: Am more drawn to true stories. Like it's hard for me unless a novel comes highly, highly recommended by somebody that I trust. I kind of feel like, why do I care about something some guy or some woman made up? Made up, you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I can watch the shittiest made-for-TV movie if it's based on a true story because I'm like, well, this actually happened, and that has (laughs) some kind of resonance to me. Used to really love true crime and read tons of true crime, try and, and, you know, keep up. And, you know, and of course you find out it's 90% Pacific Northwest for some reason. I don't know. It's a, it's where all the good murders take place. But after the birth of our first kid, it took the wind out of my true crime sales. I couldn't, I just, you know, it, it made it too real, you know, like the mm. notion of murder. <laughs> I mean, not that it wasn't real before, but it was like, I mean, specifically there was, a Farrah Fawcett movie: a woman who killed her kids because she wanted to be with her boyfriend, and she mm. she pinned it on a, of course, a black man. You know, a, a, oh, was it Susan Smith I where think she so. the, in a, in the oh, car wow. or something? You yes, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's oh, and one of the worst. Yeah, and it was this Farrah Fawcett. And I would read the book, and so the, I saw, and my son was maybe a month old, and I saw that this movie was on. I was like, oh, I, I'm going to watch this and I couldn't do it. I just, you know, and mm. I think it was just because it was kids. It yeah. just was impossible. You know, and I know there's so many good tr- true crime podcasts and I can enjoy a, a you know a documentary series on right. them. But it's it's not with the same kind of I mean, I sometimes am a little uncomfortable with people's kind of delight in, mm. you know, in it. You know what I mean? To do this, you gave me a list of sort of of different, you know, crimes to choose from. You give me mm-hmm. like a wish list of crimes, <laughs> yeah, and uh, a famous, uh, unsolved merely suggestions, yeah. Merely but suggestions. but yeah. I, but it was, you know, there were some of them that I looked at, and I was like, I have this I don't that like talking about this is would not be enjoyable. I mean, the one we're talking about is a murder.
1: It's got a lot of layers. Oh, there's
2: a lot of craziness that goes on in it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And also to your point, which is something I would like to to touch on, is people did fanatically delight in this story. This story was so sensationalized. It was a circus. And it was. It was a circus. So that oddity of why this story took on a whole separate international life when the root of this story was a young woman losing her life. We'll get more into it, but it really is too Two tragedies, the tragedy of the circus that it turned into and the tragedy of Meredith Kircher losing her life. So the case that Andy chose was the murder of Meredith Kircher. And obviously, we can't talk about that without talking about the tragedy of the wrongful conviction of Amanda Knox. So I actually do really understand that because it is People got really personally and emotionally and wackadoodly invested yeah, in this yeah. story.
1: The international media was obsessed.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and also one of them was painted as like a sex maniac. You mm-hmm. know, so that and Foxy again,
1: Noxie. yeah, Foxy Noxy, and
2: then also uh-huh. too, it's funny. You know, we're right back at, at Italy. You know, there's mm-hmm. something. Yes. There's something <laughs> about it's almost it was almost like operatic the way that that she was prosecuted and persecuted Mm -hmm. and so and it just seems there's something so italian about it
0: it really is Rabia, we are very different in many ways, but you and I picked out the very exact
1: same (laughs) Jenny Kane sweaters. Am I telling the truth? They have this amazing catalog of so many gorgeous pieces and we picked out not just the same sweater, but the same color. We got the cashmere cocoon cardigan in camel.
0: Yes. So you are really in for a treat. I am so happy that Jenny Kane is a sponsor because the thing about Jenny Kane is like it's very luxurious, classic, mm-hmm. comfortable and like really minimalist too because they have cotton and they have cashmere. It just looks gorgeous like a wardrobe essential, wouldn't you say?
1: It is going to be one of those pieces where you're just going to keep it forever. It's a cashmere
0: sweater. It is so good yeah. I love it because I do love those pieces that you keep forever. And Jenny Kane really has that like art of simplicity down. Obviously, comfort and quality, but it's timeless. I mean, we're going to wear that sweater. You can wear it 20 years in the past or 20 years in the future.
1: It's so chic. We are moving into dress season, and they have some beautiful dresses. The Riviera slip dress is the definition of luxury. They have a cove dress. It's so effortless to style. Listen, if you're going out on vacation, you got need some resort wear. I am like, they just have the stuff that's a classic and timeless, and you're going to look so put together with these pieces. So find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your order when you use code Case at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K kayne. dot com promo code solve the case. It is
0: the brand go to for all season staples.
1: Treat yourself because you deserve it.
0: Robbie, do you want to go over the crime scene and all of yeah. the mishaps that happened there?
1: I, I want to talk a little bit about the things that. You think any, I mean, even novice investigator would be able to kind of glean from what's there and actually what's not there, which is just as important. So, okay, most of the, there's actually, you can go to YouTube and, and look up the crime scene. Like there's video footage taken the same day. There's a, you know, an actual, like a 20 minute video. You can watch it on YouTube. You can see that most of the flat looks fine. It's not ransacked. There is that one room where the rock is thrown in the window, but also doesn't look ransacked. Clearly there's no robbery because there's valuables everywhere, including I think like, was her laptop? But there's like valuable stuff. Lying around. It doesn't look like anything valuable has been stolen. Nothing else is disturbed. And then all the mayhem is inside Meredith's locked room where it's a very bloody scene. Meredith herself, you know, it's pretty clear that there's been a sexual assault because her pants are removed and her t shirt's rolled up. Her bra's been cut off. It's laying bloody like close by um the duvet that's on top of her and she has like bruising on her mouth her jaw her nose like it's very clear that somebody like held her restrained her mouth you know probably as they were assaulting her there is a line of bloody shoe prints going from Meredith's bedroom to out the front door but also there's this big old bloody f- footprint of a barefoot on the bathroom mat And if you look at the picture of it, it's like the biggest toe I've ever seen. Like the biggest big toe. It's a big, big toe. It's (laughs) clearly a man's foot. It's a big old toe. But here's the thing. If you think these two kids outside might have had something to do with this, where's all the blood on them? Yeah. Where are their bloody shoes and their bloody feet? and They should be covered in... There's a lot of blood at the scene. And I have never seen like any explanation from the authorities about what they think happened to like their bloody clothes. Did they not like... uh, swab them down to find if there's traces of blood. I mean, it's hard to get rid of that much blood from, you know, and also they didn't take the time of death quickly enough. They waited a long time to determine her time of death. You've got the, the second bathroom when somebody's taking a large dump and, you know, and not flushed. And, and, and that's not going to be Amanda. That's going to be, I'm sorry. That's going to be a guy. Yeah, we all know yeah. this, right? Yeah. We can agree. It was a manly poop for it sure.
0: Manly, it was a manly poop and a manly not <laughs> flush. You know, the poops yeah. are different. They're just yeah. different poops.
1: Andy knows. I mean, He's nodding.
2: Well, i mean, I'll leave prosec- you. I'll let you guys discuss it. But yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> I think the not flushing part is the part I'm like, there's no woman who would do that. I don't know a single woman would do that.
2: Oh, it but, happens.
1: <laughs> I mean, OK, Andy, you might have stories. Um, but here's the interesting thing. The way we're looking at this little piece of evidence in a gendered way, the prosecutor decides that because she had been covered by a duvet, he said no man would do that. No man would stab her, assault her. Kill her, strangle her, and then cover her with duvet. That only a woman would do. That why I don't know, but that's what he's. That's what
2: he believes. And that's that's evidence. I once served on a jury for a murder trial. Oh, and you did? I did. Oh wow, I did. And I, the one thing that struck me was there is no extraneous information. You know, the defender and the prosecution. Nobody says how did you feel about what you saw, or what did you think was happening. It was. What did you see? What did you hear? And then anything beyond that? No, 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 no. It, and so it was. It was very, very specific about about what happened. Whereas this kind of thing, a man, you know, a man wouldn't put a duvet on a woman. How is that admissible in court? Yeah, that's not even admissible mm-hmm. over the dinner table. You'd, you, you yeah. know, if your aunt said that, you'd go, "You're nuts." Yeah.
1: Well, the thing is, like, this is how they're 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 formulating their theory of the case based on these kinds of presumptions or gut instinct and and that's going to lead them to then you know decide these are our suspects we're only going to investigate them without you know without any attention to the actual evidence and and you do end up with wrongful convictions in this country too because crap like that happens it might not show up in the courtroom before you get to the courtroom they've they've decided this defendant did it because of these dumb like you know presumptions that's
2: what i mean i don't mean to be you know Prejudicial or anything, but it does seem so Italian to be like, like I, oh, there's yeah, you you know, like it just seems like, and and the, an Italian person, A little
1: misogynistic, A little misogynistic,
2: and, yeah. and misogynistic too. But well, I mean, but Italy's weird. Like mm-hmm. you know, like you can go, you know, it's the place where the Pope lives. And it's the place that is, like, one of the most Catholic places on the planet. But Mm -hmm. at night on TV, after, I don't know, it's, like, 11 p.m., there's, like, softcore porn on the regular TV. You know, like, there's this this strange combination of prude and and conservative, uh, you know, like, moralistic stuff. And then also, like, you know, sexy, you know, sexy ladies, like, you know, where— you know like where the the news anchors have a are all beautiful women in a, at a lucite desk so you can see yeah. her legs you know, yeah, right, it's, right, right, right. it's such a... And
1: that's part of the misogyny. Yeah. That's part of the misogyny, yeah. right? Like, this is how we like our women. And I'm sure what they expect is like after 11 o'clock, you know, the good girls are all in bed. Yeah. It's the bad girls watching this
0: stuff. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And I actually, I really do, as as a first-generation Italian person, I could, you are absolutely right because it also is so, it's ego-based mm-hmm. because even when they found out that they said, they, they found this man's fingerprints, his blood, his semen, his saliva, his poop, and had a history of break-ins, they still were physically unable to see the story unfolding in any way than they had presented. Yeah, They were incapable of saying, hold on, did we make a mistake? To this day, that prosecutor to this day believes that Amanda Knox was involved. So it's that ego. Oh, 100%. It's what what I said it was. And then they just made that story and the media got involved and the media jumped on and it was so dramatic
1: and over the top. Imagine, imagine them having to roll back arresting Amanda, especially with this whole narrative of she's like this sex crazed murderous and we've arrested her like on tv like you know everything they're doing is televised mm-hmm. it's 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 not it's not local coverage it's not national coverage It's international coverage it would kill them and destroy all the men involved in this case because yeah. it's pretty much all men it is it's very italian yeah. i feel yeah, fine um, saying that yeah to admit they got this wrong
2: do you think that if it had happened in rome or in milan as opposed to mm-hmm. perugia that it, that it It would have been handled differently. Do you think that there's something about the parochial nature of the town that led to this kind of very amateurish, emotional, you know, melodramatic kind of, you Mm -hmm. know, case building?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it only has a population of 150,000 people. Yeah. And it's just, we just covered the Britney Stikes case, which was a case that happened in a small town. And we have to accept that places like that do not have the people or the training or the science to investigate it in a way that it should have. So if it was in a bigger city like Rome and having nothing to do with sophistication, but having everything
1: to do with equipment or the means. Research. Sources. to make it a better investigation. Experience, even experience. I mean, sure. have, yeah. And I don't know exactly whether or not they brought teams from outside with homicide experience. It seemed like there were people, there were people filming that apartment that same day. I mean, I, I doubt if they had already gotten like teams from outside the town. I think they just got the locals in there, including the postal police. So the experience makes so much difference. But I do think that...
0: Well, she, they, one of the... Oh God, she had so many appeals and trials. And Perugia was so backed up that her trial in September 2013 was actually in Florence. And right. then the trial that she was actually, when she was finally declared innocent, was in Italy's Supreme Court. So none of those rulings that had any 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 sway towards them being innocent happen in Perugia. So yeah, yeah. that's also really interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to know whether it would have been a different outcome in one of the bigger cities if, and you know, this is 2007 and that is an era, I call it the before and after times, the before serial and after serial. I just feel like after serial, we collectively have a better understanding of how a lot of stuff works in criminal justice, including how people art can be pressured into falsely confessing. There's an excellent series on Netflix called The Confession Tapes. Now we get it. We can look at this interrogation and say, that would break an adult. Down. You know, she's 20 years old. She's a child. Her brain is not even fully formed. Okay. She's in a foreign country. She's only been there for a little bit. Her parents aren't around. She has not even an advocate next to her. I mm-hmm. cannot imagine, right? Like, remember when you were 20. Remember, think about like, how much integrity could you have in a situation like that?
0: That was only 10 years ago for me. So it's really oh.
1: easy.
2: <laughs> I was just looking up something Because I remembered something And this is just on the Wikipedia The crime And and there was this part that was interesting to me too Because it's about it's about the prosecutors. It says Perugia, it, it had fewer tourists than Florence, you know, so that's why she picked it. The city had reportedly not had a murder for 20 years, but its oh, prosecutors wow. had been responsible for Italy's most controversial murder cases. So they were already practiced <laughs> in like cuckoo, cuckoo bananas mm-hmm. uh, prosecutions. A charge originated by Perugia po- uh, prosecutors resulted in the 2002 conviction of former Prime Minister Giulio Andriati. For ordering the murder of journalist Carmine Pecorelli, and led to complaints that the justice system had gone mad, the Supreme Court took the unusual step of definitively acquitting Andreotti the next year. So they wow. had a bullshit wow. case already against the prime minister, and then this is the yeah. one that I, this is the one that jumped out at me in early 2002. Perugia prosecutor Giuliano Mignini who mm-hmm. enjoyed taking a detective-like role and was later to be in charge of the Kircher investigation, arraigned members of a respectable Masonic Lodge for an alleged conspiracy. Mignini reportedly based the case on a theory involving serial killings and satanic rites. Mignini investigated fellow prosecutors for complicity in the supposed plot and appealed dismissals of the charges. There were no convictions in the case, which eventually ended in 2010. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, according to a scholar who researched comparative law in Italy, selective changes (laughs) to the Italian legal system left it unable to cope when a prosecutor with Mignini's American-style adversarial approach used his powers to the fullest.
0: The imposing lead prosecutor, Giuliano Manini, upped the ante today, showing the shocked courtroom a gruesome slideshow, including photos of Meredith Kircher's slashed body and, for the first time ever, close-ups
1: of her wounds. He appealed to the jury to uphold justice for Meredith Kircher.
2: So basically, you had a showboating prosecutor who was like, hey, let's, you know, like every murder, like, Whenever I hear Satanist conspiracy, I just, yeah, "Yeah, right. You know, like that's just, that doesn't really. Happen.
1: And mostly, of course, you had this really overzealous prosecutor, Menini, who had this insane concept that it was all part of a satanic cult and no evidence for it other than he just likes the theory. And uh, the picture that he painted at trial doesn't fit the forensics at all. And what trace evidence they say they have has now been proved by this independent panel to be uh, inconclusive or too g- degenerated to be authentic. And there's too little of it to retest. But it was in vogue for a while. Oh, it
2: sure was. It sure was. And where where's the proof? Where's any of this, you know, where any of these Mm -hmm. ritual killings? I mean, there's you know, there's sad stories of like kids, you know, kids doing it. But it's like there's no there's you know, there's not any Anton LaVey involved. You Know
1: right, right. There's no handbook for it that they're like,
2: <laughs> there's no green conspiracy, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that uh, Juliana, he's a he's a muppet. Wait, you, mm. this man, he, his eyebrows connect to his hair, he is wild <laughs> when you google him. But he was very melodramatic. He would call, he would refer to Amanda in the court as she-devil.
2: American student Amanda Knox has been described as a satanic, diabolical she-devil at the appeal against her murder conviction in Italy.
0: He said that he needed to use this language to indicate to the court just what sort of person Amanda Knox was. And as as he was making these statements, her her parents were sat to the side of her, just shaking their heads in in, in awe as to how their daughter was being described. And
2: uh, he closed his uh, uh, final arguments by describing her as a deceitful witch as well.
1: He would call her she-devil. imagine doing that, like, in an yeah. American court?
2: Was He was the one that said Foxy Noxy, too, I think.
0: Yeah, and he, he called her a Satan worshiper. And now you mentioned in 2010 because he was actually given a suspension. He was given a 16-month suspension because he was found guilty of exceeding the powers of his office. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a really nice way of saying you got an ego the size of Nebraska and you stepped out of bounds. What's a bad word for Italian? Uh, a goomba. You big goomba.
1: <laughs> I'm learning new things every day with you, Ellen. I have no
2: idea. <laughs>
0: you teach me about law, and I teach you how to be derogatory to my culture. Italian Italians, it's, to your it's, people. An, yeah. it's an easy trade-off. Even exchange.
1: But yeah, that guy was a character. I'll say this. Rudy Guidy's I, I, I don't know. I'm just going to say Rudy. Rudy's attorney and Rudy himself, they... You know, okay, he was an immigrant from the Ivory Coast, right? He's a black man. He, They were like, we're going to go ahead and lean into this. They're like, this is basically the person. And a lot of other African immigrants who lived in the town, lived in the region, came out to protest in his support. Despite this man leaving behind all this evidence, despite him having a criminal history, despite him admitting to even being there that night, you know, he really did kind of try to take advantage and play on people's emotions that this is all racially motivated, this prosecution of me. Um, and I had nothing to do with it. And it was like Amanda and, you know. Rafael. Now, by the way, he's out of prison now, you know.
2: Amanda Knox is speaking out to ABC News about the
1: release of Rudy Guede, the only person still serving time for the death of her former roommate,
2: Meredith Kirchner.
0: I continue to this day to be shocked that he is the forgotten killer, the one who was quietly tucked away, convicted of a lesser crime, and does not have to live With the burden of being forever associated with Meredith's death, I do know that many, many, many people have suffered a great deal because of what he did. I do wish that he had been fully held accountable for what he did and that he acknowledged what he did. He was sentenced to 30 years. He appealed and got 16 and only served 30. 13 years. He was released from prison in 2020.
2: Community service. Yeah. Which is like, that's always so amazing to me when you hear about, you know, just, and it's not even just Italy. It's like European law, like murder someone. No, you got to go to prison for 13 years. Like what? Like, yeah, I think that should maybe have a little bigger impact on your freedom than 13 years. Where would you land, Andy?
1: Where would you land? What would be your number? Um, For
2: something like that.
1: I'll say this. Internationally, about 25 is about where a lot of like kind of like the
2: really where for a violent murder where you stab someone numerous times in the neck.
1: Yeah. As Americans, we are very conditioned to say you took a life, you li- lose your
2: life. Yeah. Well, that I don't agree with.
1: Well, well if somebody's locked up, it's a life sentence. Yeah. You're still losing your life in a different way. So we're very conditioned that you're going to either die in prison or you're going to be executed. Like if you kill somebody, like that's, that's just how we're conditioned. But in most of the world, it's 25 years is about yeah. the but average. what about the
0: sexual assault yeah. as well? So mm-hmm. he was given mm-hmm. 30. He served 13 for the murder, but he was never charged with the sexual assault.
1: Mm, mm. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is the evidence they had for the sexual assault, including semen, sperm samples, they actually, and, and it was never forensically tested. They never, they just never, there was literally, she was lying on top of a pillow. There was a semen stain on the pillow underneath her legs and on her thighs. They didn't test it. They just never tested seminal fluid. They never did any DNA testing.
2: There was like an Innocence Project uh, review of the case, and they said that almost all the DNA evidence was just not, You know, they said, ah, it proves it's him. And it's like, no, they, you know, they just kind of said that. But the actual sort of Hmm. data did not, they didn't push the data far enough. And they didn't really test it far enough. They could have had more evidence. Yeah.
0: They could have had more evidence. Yeah. 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 Well, the evidence that they kept going back to, to fit the prosecutor's narrative, was the murder weapon, which, spoiler. They didn't find
1: in the apartment. They didn't find in that flat, right?
0: They did not find, but they had proposed that this similar knife, because you can't judge what a knife is, it's not like a gun where you could pinpoint it back, but this knife that they found in Raffaele's flat had Amanda's DNA on the handle. And they said, well, you know, that could have been from anything. And then they said, so nothing was on the blade. No DNA from Meredith or anyone. It went pretty hard on Amanda Knox. The judges uh, didn't grant any of the points of interest uh, for the Knox team. Uh, granted two for her boyfriend and two for the prosecution. What the most important one is that they are raising again the murder weapon, the knife, which was discounted in the previous appeal. That's being reintroduced, re evaluated uh, by forensic experts and that perhaps may be a key in this case uh, but clearly so far the uh, the judges are wanting to hear more from the prosecution than from the defense in this trial and then the prosecution said oh you know what they probably cleaned it that knife looks too clean they actually said it looks too clean and so they were like we're we're, we're not we're not convinced that still might be the murder weapon
2: If we're using conjecture like they're using about what who would put a, you know, what gendered person would put a duvet cover on someone who murders someone and then takes the knife back to their house and puts it into their kitchen drawer. yeah, And also (laughs) who who cleans the knife but doesn't clean the handle, you know, like the actual the part that you actually hold on to, like who it's 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 just it's crazy baffling.
1: A dumb murder. A dumb sex craze murder. And yeah. that's who does it. Somebody
2: that's so <laughs> horny, they're not thinking straight, you know? Yeah. They're not thinking straight, but they're good enough to erase only their DNA. Yeah. From the entire crime scene. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they also kept saying that it was a false negative. They kept saying since there was no DNA on the blood, they were like, ah, the test is wrong again it's just that ego i know more than yeah. testing i know more than dna you know it's it, it it's just the more i read the more i just kept face palming and being like my people what is wrong with you yeah.
1: you got to go fix it ellen you show up and be like i'm a lawyer from america i can what? help <laughs> Make a great reality show. It would make the best reality show ever. Here's some
0: backup to in my notes, Andy. I wrote also reasons why Italy sucks. We're very, very, (laughs) we're very we're very proper in our research, but there is a backlog in this area of nine million cases. What? Yeah, 42% of people who are in jail, which is roughly about 28,000 people, are awaiting trial. And the prison population is at 68,000. And the prisons are only meant to hold 45,000. So shit is fucked up here, but shit is also fucked up in Italy. So, Rabia, we need to go to Italy, I think, because it's... It's really Listen, really I, messed I, up. I don't either.
1: think I'll do well there. I I can't pronounce the names. I can't <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there's not enough guttural yeah. sounds that like that's where <laughs> I, that's where my comfort is like in the Argh. that's how we talk. Listen, every review of this investigation of the forensics of this case has been just like a complete, you know what I mean? Like every, every single. there's nothing they did right. Not a single thing, not a single test, not how they handled anything, not how they processed anything and their own the higher courts, you know, actually some of the appellate courts actually hired experts to review all that stuff, mm-hmm. and they're like, "You got it all wrong." I, I also want to point out it's ironic that we're recording this about a week or so, or ten days after Adnan Sayed's conviction was reinstated for the second time, and it's like the justice system is like a wrecking ball in a rubber band in cases because they can flip flop back and forth so much, and the appellate process in in and the procedure that happened in this case, it was like guilty, mm-hmm. not guilty, guilty, not guilty. And that's exactly what's happened in Nan's case. You see it all the time here. You're like, oh, I mean, the court in Maryland was like, not only were, were they like, we're reinstating the, reinstating the conviction, but they're like, we're going to pretend we're going to, that the prosecutor never dropped the charges, which prosecutor dropped the charges. And like, I'm still reeling from that. And so is the legal community in America. Like, what does the, what kind of precedent does this send when judges can just decide that a prosecutor dropping charges never happened. It's a nullity. That's what they said in their opinion. But, you know, so when I read this, it wasn't that shocking to me because I'm like, I'm seeing this unfold in front of me right now with the Advance case. But how hard it is to undo a wrongful conviction. That's the point I'm trying to get. How hard it is, how long it takes, how many people hold your lives in their hands and how the truth is so arbitrary, right? The truth is different for every panel of judges who looks at it, for every single judge who looks at it. And then, but it's it's how can these judges look at the same exact case over and over and come to completely different conclusions, right? That's what keeps happening in this entire appellate system with, with, with Amanda and Rafaela's case. And we see it all the time here, too. So the system sucks. That's what
2: I'm trying to say. It sucks.
1: <laughs> it's so arbitrary. Yeah.
2: You know, it's, you know, I would I'll, I'll again talk about, you know, serving on this jury the one which it was. Yeah, I want
1: to know your verdict. too. Where'd you land?
2: Well, I mean, just because, you know, because this isn't what the podcast is about, but uh, I had never been on a jury. I had, I had shown up for jury duty and was dismissed for one reason or another. And the hilarious thing to me too, which is very humbling was how many people told me, well, they're not going to, you're on TV. They're not going to put you on a jury. Nope. Didn't care. (laughs) You know, I always was a little bit curious if they didn't, know who i was my ex-wife one time she was in jury duty and dan rather was sitting there you know and i mean how are you going to put dan rather on a jury you know um so i thought yeah maybe they just undue influence yeah maybe they didn't recognize me but then once the case was over both the prosecution and the defense are like big fan really love your work (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, but apparently you know, I don't know they wanted to keep me around, but the case was really awful. It was uh two guys that worked together at a at a pallet yard in uh south central l a got off work and just drank for something like eighteen hours, just kept getting more beer, and then they started to joke spar and it turned. Then violent and they were mm-hmm. and they were left alone. There were other people there and then they were left alone and they started beating on each other with boards and a piece of scaffolding. And eventually one of the guys oh was God. on the ground and the other guy went and got a gas can and immolated him. And it, oh it took it took the guy two days oh my God. to die. And oh. Uh, you know he was in the hospital it took him 2 days to die
1: that's horrific
2: oh it was it was awful and what
1: is the defense how did, how did this guy not plead out i'm so shocked they took this to trial how could they take this to trial
2: that was another thing that was really striking to me was that the public defender throughout the whole thing was saying well you know how do you know that it was him or you know did you see this man did you see his face you know you know and then the the men that were there before who would say yes they started fighting and we pulled them apart you know she never said, you know, kind of like, well, my client, it, my, you know, she never let on that, that she was the client was guilty or any or, you know, was, that he did it until her summation to the jury in which she said, we all know my client did a terrible thing. And up till then. <laughs> like up till then in no. the process she had always been like uh huh well you know did you see him do it and uh so she right. said you know uh, oh, because it God. just it was so obvious that it had happened
1: well i was saying why didn't he plead out you know i was like why would you why would you take it as a trial like what's your defense I, how could you honestly i don't yeah.
2: i don't know and he thought and he's going to beat the charges and there wasn't anything there wasn't any like how do you plead like i wasn't aware of that happening you know, I don't remember there. He being... had to
1: have pled not, not guilty. Otherwise, oh, they, wouldn't, if have gone to guilty, trial. they yeah. wouldn't have. Yeah.
2: Right. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe just as the trial unfolded, the defense was like, hey, buddy, you know, it's pretty obvious what's happened good. here. Yeah. I mean, I ended up being the jury foreman because Ooh. when we when we went you're ba- famous, well, when we went back to the deliberations. <laughs> You know, they, the judge gives us, you know, guidelines and then we go and we, we get back in the deliberation room and he, they just put us in the room. And then it's kind of <laughs> like, and I'm, you know, I'm do do? like looking around and I was like, well, I th- I think the first thing we should do is uh, pick a foreman because we're supposed to do that. <laughs> and, and nobody gave you any instructions. And, I mean, all. they had said that, but that was kind of it. And then, yeah. They are like, you know, like three people go like, why don't you do it? Just because I was the first one that (laughs) spoke up. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. But we we went at it for about it was about two or three days. And I wanted first degree murder. Wow. It took you that long. Yeah, I wanted first degree murder. Well, first of all, there was like one guy that was going to say manslaughter. And mm-hmm. he said because oh. it was because 'cause he, he'd been drunk. He said he said well that was the the uh, the judge had already given us guidelines about how much you can discount because of drunkenness and how much you have to blame someone for drunkenness. He also gave us mm-hmm. the notion that premeditation can happen a month ahead of time or 10 seconds ahead of time, which from my perspective, the guy took the flow arrester off of the gas cap. You know, there's the, the uh-huh. thing that sort of like controls the flow of the gas. Yeah. He went, he had mm-hmm. to walk around to the other side of a truck. He took that thing and he threw it off. I said, if he, maybe if he hit him and the guy died from being beaten, maybe you could say it was a crime of passion, but he went and mm-hmm. got a gas can and then flicked matches. To, tr- to light it mm. on the guy and took the, the flow arrestor yeah. off to get as much gas on him as fine. <laughs> there was a guy that worked for Caltrans who was the first one to go like, um, it's manslaughter, I think. And I was like, how is this <gasps> manslaughter? He said, it was a crime of passion. Uh, There was heightened emotion. <laughs> and I said, I think you'll find that heightened emotion is a hallmark of all homicides. Uh, so, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you know, I don't think it really, you were a good foreman. Yeah. Well, the the rest of the people were like, yeah, yeah, no, it's murder. It's murder. So then we had to go back and forth between first and second. And it got down to just this guy that worked for Caltrans, which in my mind, because he had said he worked for Caltrans. I was like, this guy has a state job. He can sit in here for three months and get paid. (laughs) Like he doesn't have to go to work. He gets his full salary because it's a state job. So I I just realized and he just wasn't going to budge from second degree, which didn't want to go back to work. Yeah. yeah. The judge did tell us it's really hard to convict someone of first degree murder. You think like, oh, no, no, he murdered him. But it's hard when it's your responsibility. But as I told the rest of them, I said, I want to give this guy an A plus in murder because this is gruesome (laughs) what he did. Right. Yeah. So we ended up with with second degree, uh, which just because, you you know, we that one guy won. Yeah. Oh, man. But I mean, but, you know. It made a difference to me that the difference between first degree murder and second degree murder is lifetime without parole is first degree, and then mm-hmm. second degree is lifetime. And then after 25 years, you get that chance at parole. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so
1: 20, the, sen- the sentence was okay. Yeah, yeah, like 20.
2: Okay, the guy's in prison for 25 years guaranteed or, you know, or whatever closely guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I know why I, why I brought it up. In going through this whole thing and seeing and being in the courthouse, which is its own. Such a strange, weird atmosphere of like soap opera and DMV, like exciting and boring. (laughs) And, you know, and you know what I mean? I was struck by this is so flawed, this is so clunky, but I don't know any other way to do this. I don't know any other way than than requiring citizens to sit in here and do this thing and pass judgment when somebody murders somebody or when somebody cheats Mm -hmm. somebody or somebody steals something from somebody. I don't know any other way. You know, I mean, because some countries, they just have a judge pass the judgment. And that doesn't seem right. That seems like really ripe for abuse. So, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, this is a this is a really messed up system. It's a really clunky, crappy system. But what else are you going to do? How else are you going to decide yeah. these things? Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I, I completely agree. It is, even given its flaws, I would say that we have probably one of the best systems in the world, but the flaws exist and mostly they're in the adversarial aspect of it. Mostly it's in things like the defendant not getting access to like investigative files, you right. know, things like that. Like the prosecutor right. having way too much power. That, that's what it's about. Or like cash bail, mostly. all
2: of that stuff that yeah. just is. Right, yeah. right. like. You know that.
1: Otherwise, if the if, yeah, if those things didn't exist, if the, you could make those fixes, it would. It could be a fairly equitable system if the defendant is actually given a fair chance. Yeah.
0: But there was a very good chance that they had all of those appeals and everything turned over, there was a good chance they could have gone away for a very long time. They were up against 28 and a half years in Raffaele for 27 years. But on March 27th, 2015, both Amanda Knox and Raffaele were declared innocent in the murder of Meredith Kircher by the Italian Supreme Court.
2: We've got breaking news. We want to welcome our viewers in the United States and around the world. I'm Wolf Blitzer in Washington. Judges at Italy's Supreme Court, they have just announced their verdict uh, as far as a potential retrial of American Amanda Knox and the murder of her one-time roommate, Meredith Kircher. Our CNN contributor, Barbie Nadeau, is joining us on the phone right now from Rome. What's the verdict, Barbie? Well, the high court in Italy today has decided to overturn the murder convictions, and we had assumed that would come with an automatic retrial on the appellate
1: level again, but we understand from the court what they've read today is they're throwing it out entirely. There will not be a retrial. Amanda Knox and uh, her boyfriend, Raffaele Tuleci, are free. Uh, the case is closed. It's over. Uh, and and justice, as far as the Italian court
2: system has, has ruled, is, is done at this point. The case is over. That
0: whole journey from 2007 It did not end until 2015. I'm really overwhelmed right now. Um, I was looking down from the airplane and it seemed like everything wasn't real. Um, What's important for me to say is just thank you to everyone who's believed in me,
2: who's defended me, who's supported my
0: family. More for Amanda Knox, only because, you know, she's here. She's. Amanda Knox for the rest of her life. I'm sure her life journey in those years from 2015 to now, I'm sure are a whole separate host of, uh, there is a large, a large group of people online who still very, very much talk about and tweet about and Reddit about her guilt. That is still a a big little corner
1: section of the internet. They're crazy. And you know what? I I have to say.
2: Well, Amanda Knox, I mean, when we were right the day after I, that your producer emailed me about doing the show and I said, yeah, well, let's do Amanda Knox. The next day, there's some kind of story that goes, you know, that some, some privileged kid says studying, studying in Florence sucks, just wrote some sort of op-ed and Amanda Knox tweets. I think studying abroad is very rewarding or something like that. Like <laughs> she makes it her own joke about yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which again yeah. that seems like Amanda Knox maybe has judgment thing, you know, like like maybe she hey. maybe she has some trouble making good judgments.
1: Mm, (laughs)
2: Possibly.
1: Yeah. I will say this. I think Amanda Knox has been an incredible advocate for herself though. Yes.
2: She really has. And now for innocence, you know, and wrong, the wrongfully accused, especially for women. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, she, she was given a spotlight. I don't think she wanted at a very young age and completely out of her control. Right. Like, and she has done everything she can to take her narrative back to the extent that she can. So I do admire her for that, but yeah, that's, I mean, you know, that's pretty that's pretty tongue in cheek right there. I mean, like I didn't see that tweet.
2: What do you guys think was the engine behind their exoneration? Like, was it international uh, pressure? Like, was it you know, was the American embassy pushing about it?
1: My understanding is that 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 court did a thorough review of the DNA evidence. And they're like, there's just, it's all the evidence points to this guy, Rudy. I mean, that's uh, what I understand, because they, they hired some independent experts.
2: There was an appeal, just a, a standard kind of regular appeal like there is on every big case like that.
1: Yeah, the convictions were, I mean, overturned, then reinstated, and then they, the you know, the defendants again appealed the reinstatement, and then the Supreme Court, you know, overturned it again. And I don't know to what extent, like, international pressure or media, like, would have would have made a difference at this point, but Amanda... Was already in the United States, by the way. Even mm-hmm. when her conviction was reinstated, she had already <laughs> returned to America. She said, I ain't coming back? And they're like, she did not go back to San, you know, to, to, for any of the appeals or anything. I do wonder what would have happened if they had upheld that reinstatement of her conviction at the final su- supreme level. I don't even. They have a lot of they have a lot of appellate courts going all the way up. Would they have extradited her from the U.S. Like what they would have done? She's like, I am not going back.
0: She didn't go back for yeah. the trial, but also another difference between Italian justice system is that that's. Straight up double jeopardy because they they retried her for... No, no, when... it's not double
1: jeopardy. It's not double jeopardy. How, how is that not double because, jeopardy? Because she, double jeopardy happens when you go through an actual trial and you mm. are acquitted. So the trials you're talking about, what we refer to them in America are not... They call them appellate trials. They're actually appeals hearings. It's not a whole trial with all the evidence presented in a prosecutor.
0: But the, the trial in 2013
1: mm. was the an guilty verdict. No, that but that was
0: the one
1: okay they call it a trial i got confused with the language too they're calling it a trial they're actually it's just part of the appeals process the trial happens at the fundamental level and then you keep appealing up when we appeal up in america all the things that happen in court we call them hearings they're calling them trials so the do you you understand what i'm saying like they're just appealing though it's not an actual trial but
0: my question of when because
1: the acquit they were trying to get they were acquitted Right, because on the appellate level, that's what can happen. I mean, same thing happened at none conviction vacated, conviction reinstated, conviction vacated, conviction reinstated. But what the court, all the appellate courts are doing is are, are reviewing the initial trial. Uh-huh. And in order to be protected under double jeopardy, you have to be, if you're acquitted, here, oh, let me give you the example. If you are acquitted at trial, the prosecutor cannot appeal that. And you cannot be tried for that crime over again at trial. Once you're in the appellate system, it's just keeps flip-flopping back and forth. Whoever loses just appeals up. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. And Andy, something in my notes about your question before, they did have some support from the Idaho Innocence Project. I don't oh, know why okay. Idaho. That's interesting. What's your main takeaway, Andy, of everything that we've talked about and everything of the case? What's your main takeaway?
2: Oh, boy. Watch your P's and Q's in Italy. I guess um <laughs> I think. you know uh, I think that see- needs to be the title of the episode <laughs> yeah. yeah um I yeah I mean it just it really does seem like it's crazy to hear this story and even to know that even in within Italian justice this is like this is like hillbilly justice even in mm-hmm. you know like this is this is crazy made up ego-driven justice even within the italian system which is kind Mm. of seems i mean just a little bit of reading about it i did it's like impenetrable like how does this all work you know Mm -hmm. so yeah i i mean that's that's that would be kind of the main thing i guess and you know like you guys kept saying these are 20 year old kids and i guess yeah i guess i also the other thing would be to like if you go to your apartment and you see blood and the doors are locked call the cops and stay outside you know i mean yeah. i think that, yeah. that that probably could have helped them too you know
1: yeah. yeah, I for one am never letting my kids study abroad. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a no. <laughs> just
0: another support for cognitive bias because yeah. they just made this story fit the loose narrative that they had, and also Italians are fucking crazy. <laughs>
2: You no, can say that. We away. can't. Yeah.
1: Another <laughs> cautionary tale again for us not to yeah. <laughs> get sucked in by the media circus around any case. Yeah. I think we always have to remember in most of these cases, we're actually not going to know what really happened for maybe decades onwards, a decade yeah. or two late. Like we will not get the actual facts. hmm
2: yeah, thank you so much, Andy. Uh, you. Oh, it was fun. Yes. Thanks was for us. having me, guys. I, I I'm uh, honored and flattered and uh, happy to be here.
0: You are always welcome. Thank you for sharing this story. This is a, a great story. I, I was hoping we would cover it at some point. Yeah, and it's just an honor
1: to have you do it with us. When and are you going to Italy next, Andy? Yeah.
2: Well, I got a honeymoon coming up, uh, but I think oh, that's that's, right. that's going to be in Greece. I think. I think we're going. I oh, think we're going to Greece. Amazing. Oh, they're and, crazy too. Listen, Congrats on
0: your nuptial! <laughs> Thank right. you, Thank you very much. Are you guys so. doing a big thing? Or are you just doing a casual affair?
2: We're in a venue that's a, uh, it's a, it's an event venue, but it's a house, so it's kind mm-hmm. of like just a nice kind of low key house party because the it just you know I mean we're she's going to be forty seven, I'm fifty six. We don't you know we're not mm-hmm. we're not blushing. you know, we uh, we you know, because we even talked about let's go to city hall, you know, but uh, no, so it's just gonna, it's gonna, we want to have a nice party for family and friends, and she's from LA, so. She has a lot of family here. So uh, we definitely. Well, it's very
1: exciting. Congratulations to best. both of you. I thank can't wait you. to see pictures because I know they'll be all over Instagram. Right. Ah, Let's some, see. I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we can't thank
0: you enough. And we so enjoyed speaking with you and we hope you'll come back one day.
1: And- oh, wait, where can folks find you if they want to, like, follow you? Where are you active oh, on social media? Uh,
2: well, I'm uh, at Andy Richter on Twitter uh, for, you know, and the clock is ticking on that. So get me yep. while I'm still there. Uh, or while it <laughs> while it still exists and on instagram i am at richter comma andy all the words r-i-c-h-t-e-r-c-o-m-m-a-a-n-d-y oh and my and my podcast the three questions you can get it wherever you get podcasts Whatever, whatever street you are on your day. podcast. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's how to do it. You got to invite yourself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we adore you, and thank, thank, you. thank you so much for joining so us. So honored
1: Andy. to be on with
2: us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I'll see thank you, thank you later. so much.
1: All right, we are coming to you from the future, and I have a male culpa. You know what male culpa is because you're you. What what is male culpa? It's a, you're a lawyer. You know what that
0: is. something to make right. You have that's to make right. it right. That's
1: right. Oh, yeah. good. It's not just legal lingo. Okay.
0: Yeah. I. Totally effed up. This is really fun for me yeah, right now. This yeah, is, is really is. fun for me. Um, if you could see my hands, I'm yeah.
1: just okay. Go ahead, Ravia take yeah, it away. She's just twiddling her thumbs as I <laughs> as I basically apologize for completely effing up. The conversation around double jeopardy and whether or not they were tried again, because it's not how it happens in an American system. And I kept, as I was reading on the case, I kept thinking they're calling them trials. What they really mean is they're hearings and maybe Mm -hmm. the the translation, you know, Italiano is a little bit complicated. It wasn't translating, but Ellen Marsh, attorney at law, was correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I will say this feels really, really good, <laughs> but I will also say it's very confusing. It's it's really confusing. So much so when I read it and then you explained it, I was like, oh,
1: maybe I am confused. Yeah. It's very confusing. Yeah. But but you know what this means is that, like, if you are going through the criminal justice system in Italy, you are not protected by the double jeopardy, like, protection that we have in America, yeah. which means if you've been actually acquitted once— Over there, you can actually be retried again during an appellate process, which never happens here. Right. So just to recap, I was right. Yeah, that's I'm gonna make that t-shirt. Fine, Ellen. I'm gonna make that t shirt. I'm gonna give you some sleeping socks is that Ellen was right. Oh gosh, this feels
0: so good. I can't even put it into words, but I'm I feel like I'm gonna hearken back to this several yeah. times. I was just
1: lecturing you. I was like, no, no, let me explain this to you, Ellen, how it works. I didn't yeah. know. I totally thought I misunderstood. It is very confusing. Ellen came with the receipts. It was like mid it was like two AM. Suddenly my phone beeps and Ellen's like, Here's some receipts, girl. <laughs> Here's some receipts. Wake oh, up, bitch. Oh, I do love making this podcast with you, Robbie. I- <laughs> if only to prove me wrong all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I. Th- there'll be you. more,
0: more to come. If you are having a good time, please head on over to the Patreon and join us there. We are giving you all kinds of bonus episodes. We're giving you extras. We're giving you ad free. We're giving you a virtual hangout, which we need to plan. Mm-hmm. We're going to have speak pipe, speak, speak pipe episodes. episodes. We're giving you so much bonus content. You can find plans as little as $5 a month. We would love for you to come join the fun. And we
1: just, we love making this show for you. Yeah. We love it. Come join us. You know what would be fun, Ellen? I was thinking. We should, like, get listeners to join us once in a while for a Patreon episode. That would
0: be fun. That would be fun. I would I would love that. Let's do and that. And also, don't forget our live show. Oh, yes. May 4th, May Atlanta. May 4th. Head on over to any of our socials. Click on the See Us Live link, and you can come see us live in Atlanta. Our very first live show in Atlanta. May 4th at 8 p.m. Can't wait to
1: see you there, Ellen. See you there. I was right. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) It's going to echo in my ears tonight as I sleep. I was right.